Hey, welcome to James Fortune Wrestling Podcast, where you will hear the latest in wrestling and sports. Nothing here is off limits, so let's get started. But Darius, what's up, my man? Man, what's going on, James? How you doing, bro? Uh, man, I'm hanging in there. How about yourself, bro? Man, I'm all right. What's going on, man? Anything good? Uh, um, Just living life, man. Just trying to live life. Taking one day at a time, man, you know. That's, the way, to, that's the way to do it, brother. All yeah. right, so... We are back because I have an explosive topic that I want to talk about. It could be controversial depending on how you look at it. I want to talk about the death of the late Ashley Massaro. As if you people don't know, she passed away last week. Now, the speculation is she died of suicide. I don't know if that's been confirmed or not. I don't believe it has. People have kind of chimed in saying, you know what? She died of depression, suicide, things of that nature. But I don't just want to talk about that. I want to talk about what she was depressed about. And for a lot of people who don't know, Ashley Massaro was a superstar in WWE who debuted in 2005, being a Diva Search winner. 2006. This is where I'm going to hit on first, and then I'll get your thoughts. She went overseas. Apparently, it was not for a tribute to the troops. And at some point during that, she was drugged and raped. And apparently, after that, she reported what happened to the WWE and WWE officials. And they urged her not to file any sort of complaint with the authorities. I actually have an article I'm going to read here in just a minute. But just saying that, what are your thoughts, Rodarius, when you first heard this? I think it was back in 2016, I believe, is when I first heard about it. When she filed a lawsuit against WWE for apparently what happened way back 10 years earlier. Um, I really don't quite remember this story. But if I'm not mistaken, you know, like you said, a lot of people were, uh, you know, talking about it. I, I think it's, Rape is a, how can I put this? Rape is a very, very touchy subject, especially in today's society. And for WWE, you know, they've they've been known over the years, James, to do some shady stuff. That's a fact. Yes, sir. I mean, you know, we're not, we're not going to, we're not going to sweep that under the rug. They've been known to do some shady stuff on and off TV, on and off camera, what have you. But for them to tell her, not to file a lawsuit that just signifies to me that they're trying to protect their brand they're trying to protect whatever relationship they got with the military etc and even if she wasn't even if she wasn't a WWE superstar she still would have had the common sense to file a, a lawsuit or something correct now so I oh go ahead go ahead oh I was just gonna say let's remember as of right now, this is, you know, we don't know what happened. So I just want to be clear. We're not saying they did it. We're not saying they did, you know, they didn't cover it up or anything like that. We're just speaking on what's been put out there. Yeah. And we just want to make sure we get it all out there. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, um, like, I don't, you know, like you said, we don't know what happened. We don't know the facts. We're just going by what we read and what we heard. But if it was anybody else. I mean, don't you think they would have went to the police or 
filed a lawsuit or filed a report or something. I mean, common sense would tell them that. And that's the same thing with the late uh, Ashley Mazzaro. I just, I just find this, I just find this mind-boggling that the, the the company she works for is trying to protect an image like they always do by telling her, "Hey, this might have happened to you, but we need you to keep this on the low. We need to, we need you to sweep this under the rug because we are trying to protect whatever relationship, whatever image we have." And I don't, I don't find that to be cool at all. You know what? You're right. I'm right there with you. I'm going to read this article that was published, let's see, November 12, 2016, posted by Ryan Satin of Pro Wrestling Sheets. And the title of the article is Former WWE Diva Ashley Claims She Was Sexually Assaulted at a Military Base During a WWE Trip. Ashley Massaro claims she was sexually assaulted in 06 at a U.S. military base that WWE sent her to visit. In a new docs file, she says the company convinced her to keep it quiet. Massaro then filed documents to join the head injury lawsuit that now includes over 50 WWE employees. Now, the head injury lawsuit, for people who don't know, several, you know, like it says here, 50 people filed a lawsuit. I believe that had to do with concussions. Um, yeah head injuries so that's there I just wanted to separate this from what I'm reading right here um, includes over 50 former WWE employees and in it mentioned the horrible incident in Kuwait as proof of their negligence Ashley claims that the assault happened while she was in the Middle East on a WWE sanctioned trip with Maria Kanellis, Jimmy Hart and Rob Simmons this was not for tribute to the troops according to the documents and I quote Upon her return to the United States, she was seen by Dr. Rios, who interviewed her about the incident. Dr. Rios reported the incident to WWE executives, who soon thereafter met with Massaro to apologize for their negligence, but persuaded her that it would be not it would be best not to report it to the appropriate authorities. Her lawyer adds, this incredible situation then derives from the WWE's employment misclassification scheme, wherein the WWE deems itself neither responsible for Masaro's safety, despite being on a WWE tour in the Middle East, nor does the WWE deem itself responsible to report or collect data about incidents such as this. The WWE, in order to protect its public image and insulate itself from paying for its injured workers, prefers to remain silent. Before leaving for Kuwait, Massaro gave a now heartbreaking statement to WWE's website. And I quote, she says, anything can happen going over to the Middle East, but my company takes care of it and I trust it. I have full faith that I will come back exactly the way I left, if not a little bit better in the heart. End quote. So after hearing this, I mean, I mean, especially that last part, especially the, you know, the at the end saying she hopes to come back better than she did before she left and hearing everything that was just read as of 2016. Does it what do you think, in your honest opinion, do you believe that WWE covered this up? I definitely think they covered it up because they're basically turning their back on a situation that 
you know, should have never happened if it happened. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's like, nice. that's like if, for example, if you get in a car wreck and, you know, you hit somebody and you leave the scene, you know, they don't they call that a hit and run? That's right. I mean, you're leaving the scene in which you caused. So basically, WWE is saying that doesn't matter. We got money to make. We got an image to uphold because people are watching us. People are watching whatever you do, whether you realize it or not. And that's what, in this situation, James, Vince and the rest of his crew, they failed to realize that. But see, Ashley unfortunately passed away. She's not here to defend herself anymore. That's right. And it's sad because, like I said, they covered up. They covered this up because they didn't want to feel. Basically, they didn't want to feel responsible for what happened to their empl- to one of their employees. Even though, it, even though it was their own trip, it right? Was their own sanctioned event that they sent her to. With two other with two other stars, right? Earlier, now, oh, go ahead. Earlier this week, or it may have been just shortly after she passed, an email apparently was revealed of when she last year apparently emailed the WWE and apologized about the class action lawsuit that she was involved in, and I believe it was the class action one that I was reading about in that article. Here is my thought. And this is not taking away from what I think happened. But if, how do I, I want to word this in a way that doesn't seem like I'm trying to say she's lying about, lying about or anything like that. If you're a part of a class action lawsuit, you believe something happened. And I guess I can just play devil's advocate here for, for a second. If, if you were in that situation, would you be emailing them to apologize about it? No. And that's where I'm confused here. If that happened, and I'm not saying it didn't, why why would you why would you do that? I, I guess is my question, and I can't seem to think of a and and I've been pondering about it since I, since this has happened, and I've seen this, I've tried to figure it out. And I'm hoping maybe somebody can give me an answer that kind of makes sense because I can't find one. I if I don't I, know. If I knew something happened and I'm going to go that far with it and I knew this happened and I wanted to go that far with it, no matter what I'm going to do for it, if, if I believe that was violated, wrong in any way, shape, or form, I'm going for it. I just don't understand why why she would do that. I mean, she's not here to defend herself, so it's kind of hard to... You know what? I'm going to scale that back. Let me scale this. I just read before we did this, as I was doing research, that her lawyer said that he has no knowledge of her emailing WWE about the apology. So that's a little twist within itself that um, I'll do more research into. You know, you know in our group, Christopher Lighton, right? Yeah. He has been in contact with... Let me pull up the guy's name here. Excuse me, guys. One second while I pull this up. Let's see. Sean Ross. 
John Rossette. That's right. From uh, uh, Fightful, right? Correct. Okay. Christopher had sent him a few messages about this whole Asher situation, and he has gotten back to him. I do have the screenshots here of their conversation. And I can say right now it's being, you know, he, he's investigating this and trying to get to the bottom or see if he can get more information about what's going on here. I'm going to give you I'm going to give everybody out there my honest opinion. Ashley Massaro was only 39 years old. 39. She had a daughter. Depression is what they're talking about that, you know, she was depressed. And so the rumor is that she committed suicide. After doing the research, again, I wasn't there. I don't know it. I can only give my opinion as a man. But when something doesn't add up, something doesn't add up. I think she was raped. And I think there was some sort of collusion to cover the Sega. For for reasons you said, we have an image to protect. Everyone's watching you. We have money to make. That doesn't make it okay. It doesn't. That doesn't make it okay to take one of your superstars that you have on the road for over 300 days a year who's coming into your company thinking they'll be taken care of, protected, no matter what they're doing. And you fly her to Kuwait to a military base where a lot of people are are thinking, if you're going to go somewhere in the Middle East, you need, you know, that's going to be the safest place you can be is on a military base. Mm-hmm. But to turn around and one, let this, you know, however this happened, let it happen. And then tell her not to file charges. Why? Because you don't want to offend anybody. My thing is this, James, and I got to add on to this. And I, and I've been thinking about this the whole time. The whole time you've been saying what you've been saying. I don't, you know, I can't speculate. I can't speculate on what happened because A, we weren't there. Right. B, it goes back to what we just said. We're just, we're just talking about what we're hearing and what we've heard. Uh, Well, what we've heard and what we've read. And the sad part about it is, as you mentioned, Ashley has a daughter. I think she's I don't know how old she is now, but she was young when she left WWE. When her mom left WWE, she was young. Yeah. And I just feel like, I feel like this, and it goes, even in sports, when something happens and that organization or that person or whatever the case may be don't want to face the consequences, what do they do? They'll pay that person who's making the accusation to keep quiet. Yep. That that I'm think I'm that's what I'm thinking right now. It's like okay, you say you got raped, you say you got drugged. We don't want our lawyers to get in some little legal battle with whoever did it or whoever is in the military, whatever the case may be. We don't want to have to pay lawyer fees because we deal we deal with enough lawsuits as it is as a company. But at the same time, here you go. We're gonna write you a little check. You just need to keep your mouth shut and go about your business. That's how I feel about it. That's what I'm thinking right now. Uh, you know what? I, go, ahead, go ahead. 
because what I was going to say was, uh, you know, they say money talks, right? Yep. That's the old saying, money talks, right? Yep. And it's like, you're really trying to buy her off despite you having her on your payroll and you're already paying her. You're going to add more money, but this time you're going to have her her mouth shut because you don't want your lawyer getting in some legal battle with something that may or may not have may not have happened. And here's the thing, and you're right. But here's the thing, as an outside person who maybe wanted to come into WWE at that time, if you take this and you run with it, you don't think that in the eye of public opinion that that's going to make people more not only respect you but respect the company as well for taking the stand saying this isn't allowed you would think that in their minds about like, you know what yeah it may bring some attention but damn it we can we can make we can make people see that we're not going to stand for this crap yeah i mean if, if it were me and i was in the company at that time i would be put i would have been pushing for to pursue it because yeah, because it may bring eyes on to it, but at least it would show people that you have your women's in the company, their back, that if anything happens, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna stand by you, we're gonna help fight for you, and we're gonna help you get the justice you deserve. And like you said, money talks. And I think you're right. I think that's what came down, you know, to it. Is that money got in the way of morals. Yeah. If this happened, which you and I are both safely to say in our own opinions, we think something happened. Again, we weren't there, but we do believe something happened. I mean, there's just there's just too much there's just no reason why she would lie. I mean, I I don't see a reason. I don't see anything that makes any sense. I mean, it seemed like from everyone talking about she was such a special person. She was a great person to be around, funny, loving, charismatic. To me, it just doesn't make any sense why she would lie, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's two sides to every story. It's that old analogy that it's two sides to every story. Maybe three, four, five sides of the story, depending on who you talk to, depending on who you believe. But it's just mind-boggling at, like, why would you, why would you file a lawsuit and then 10 years later... Oh, I didn't mean it. I, I that I'm like you, James. That is so confusing to me. You file a lawsuit ten years later. Oh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I didn't mean to put y'all through this. How? If it happened to you, why didn't you pursue it? And it goes back to what I just said. They probably paid her off to shut up because they don't want to seem like the bad guy. They don't want to seem like, oh, we're not protecting our employees, our superstars. So I tell you what, why don't you just take this check and we'll just act like nothing happened and we'll just, you know, kind of ride off into the sunset and, you know, we'll turn a new page. It don't work like that. You know what I'm saying? It's like if something happened to me and I file a lawsuit and I get a lawyer, I better have the best doggone lawyer I can find. I'm going to do everything I can, every fiber in my being, to win that case against 
whatever happened against that person to whoever did what to me. I'm going to fight that tooth and nail. I, I just, I don't know, James. You know, it's, you know, 39, I've been thinking about it since she passed last week. 39 is such a young age. Yes, sir. I mean, she was 39 years old. I mean, she died days before her birthday. Yep. And I think her birthday was on the, is on the 25th or 26th. It's in. It's late in this month, and it's sad that she died days before her birthday. And the day, and oh, go ahead. And the day before she died, she had responded to her fans. She would sent out apparently over three hundred, you know, responses to fan mail and things of that nature. And it it's hard to know what someone was going through when they don't come out and talk about it. Yeah. And I think about stuff like that every day because it's like, uh, you know, whether I'm at work or at home or wherever, you never know what people are going through behind closed doors. That's right. You know, you could be at work. You could, you know, I could be at work and, you know, I laugh and joke with a lot of my coworkers, but what are they doing behind closed doors when they're not around me? Yeah. They don't know. They don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what they're doing. It's just. It's just one of those things like you really just don't know. You may think everything is all good. You may think everything's cool. Like, oh, he or she got it under control. But nope. And that's even me. You know, they don't know what I'm doing. They don't know what I'm going through. I don't know what you're going through. But it's just one of those things where you just you just never know. Here's the guy that was the perfect example of that. Robin Williams, the late, great Robin Williams. That, you know, he... Every time you saw him do anything, whether it was an interview or a movie, or, he's always laughing, smiling, and joking. Yeah. And then one day he's not here anymore because, you know, he commits suicide and then all these things come out to why. And it's always, you know, we're so caught up in our everyday life and things that we're doing. And, and now with social media, it just, our focus just seems to be now on that yeah what's yeah. everybody else you know what's everybody else posting about what's everybody else talking about that sometimes it takes us away from us focusing on people that are closer to us because we're so focused on what everybody else is doing and we're putting our energy into that that we're not putting it putting our own energies into what's going on around us yeah and, and the thing is with, oh no go ahead I was going to yeah, no, go ahead the thing with social media is social media has turned into such an ugly place. Yeah. Because it's like nowadays we live in a world where police brutality is at an all-time high. Bullying is 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 just rapid and out of control. And me and you, we're not perfect. But at the same time, it's just like it's just it's just it's just painful to see what social media has done to everybody. You know what I'm saying? Yes, and, I always, and I always hear that question, and even I ask it sometimes. What if social media was around back in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the early 90s? What if there was a such thing called Instagram and Facebook back in the 70s, a Twitter back in the, the 80s? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It would be like 10 times, if not 20 times worse than what it is today. I really feel that way. Oh, I believe that. Because, I mean, 
you know, like you said, we're so wrapped up in what's going on in social media. Um, you know, people, you know, people use social media for positive stuff. You know, they show yeah. off their accomplishments. Like, you know, now people are graduating college, high school. You know, that's something I love to see. For example, that's something I love to see. When people are showing off their accomplishments, graduating high school, whether they're going to the military, what have you. And then you have people going on there. They're trying to show off how many lights they can get. They're showing off all this stuff that's really not necessary. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Right. So, I mean, it's just weird. It's just it's just a crazy world. It's just, it's, how can I put this? It's, it's really sad that social media has taken us away from what's really important in life. And sometimes I get wrapped up into that too, but then I have to realize like social media and reality are two different things. Yes, sir. And, you know, some people get a hundred something likes on Instagram. You may get seven. What does that matter? You only get seven likes. It's not the end of the world. So right. I have to remind myself of that. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, we want, you know, everyone out there, you know, to like us regardless of, you know, if they know us and it's kind of like, like you just said, you know, someone gets a hundred likes and you get seven. What's the big deal? What's the, yeah. what's the big deal if somebody on social media doesn't like you? Yeah. I mean, the things that should be important are the people who are around you. And yeah, I mean, look, social media can also be used for good. I mean, you could build great relationships with that. Oh, definitely. I mean, I mean, you and I have built a great relationship over time with it. You know, there's a couple other people that, you know, I built relationships with over it. And the thing is, is that we're so focused on negative things, right? It, we don't see enough. I shouldn't say we don't see enough. We don't focus on the positives enough. There are plenty of positives out there. Oh, for sure. We just don't seem to gravitate towards that like we should. It's always like, oh, you know what? Here's the bullshit. Let's just gravitate towards that. And yeah. It's sad because it's almost like a black hole. You you might want to gravitate over towards something good, but there's just something about the other stuff that just pulls you in. And, I, you know, I'm guilty of that. And, you know, I'm, a lot of us are guilty of it. Oh, yeah. Because especially like, um, you know, with everything going on in the world, like, you know, you know, the state of Alabama, for example, passed that abortion law. In oh, several states. You know, I don't want to get into that, but it's just like, it's really taking away, it's really taking the focus of what, of what really, of what, of what positivity should be going on. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, with, with Trump and, you know, China and all this other stuff, all this stuff in the world that's going on is really taking away from the positive of what should really be happening. You know what I'm saying? Yes, it's, sir. It's, it really just brings it really just brings everybody down, you know, and it, it really brings me down because, you know, I try to keep a positive attitude, you know, I go to work and I say to myself, I'm going to have a positive attitude. I'm going to have a positive outlook. Now, some people may, you know, piss me off at work, but I don't let that, I don't let that stir my judgment of what needs to really be going on in my life right. or what needs to be or the task at hand that I need to be doing. I don't let that negativity or what somebody says to me or whatever the case may be 
stop me from completing the task at hand. And that's a great, strong attitude. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, I definitely been working on that aspect of myself. Sometimes when I hear something negative, it's bad, man. It just, it kind of drags me down. And sometimes it's just one of those things where like this with the Ashley thing, you know, hearing about this and, you know, didn't know her personally, but it's like, how could somebody be treated this way? I mean, this young, I mean, this girl would, what I mean, let's see, what's she? 39, so she was what 25 when she got the WWE. And the fact that you know she was pretty much treated this way and potentially just, just was tossed aside, it's like, here's money, this is gonna fix everything, yeah. And it just, if that's what happened, it's just really sickening that a company would go that far, yeah, to it- you know, to do this. It's like, man. You got all these people who are, you know, investing, you know, putting money into your company, whether it's, you know, buying tickets or buying merchandise or, or going to WrestleMania or, or, or what have you. And this is how you treat them. This is how, you know, it's because pretty much doing that, you know, to a diva like that, you know, in my mind is a pretty big F you to not only what they think about their fans, but women in particular. Yeah. And, you know, um, not to cut you off, but it's just like, it's like the, like the women, like women's wrestling in WWE has come along so far. Yeah. You know, we went from, you know, girls who look like they should be in Playboy to brawn panties matches, to actual women's wrestling, something that we can actually enjoy and sink our teeth into. But it's just like, it's just like, Why? Like, why would you, why would you do something like that? Like, why would you shy away from that? And it's not fair. And, you know, I feel bad for her daughter. You know, her mom is not even here anymore. I think, I don't, you know, like I said, I don't know how old her daughter is. I think she's like 17, 18. I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah. But it's just sad. To, I feel bad for her. I feel bad for the people that work with her. And that have said so many positive things. Because that's mostly all I saw about Ashley Massaro. Was just positivity. And she and she seemed like a positive person. And like you said, we didn't know her personally. We just knew her from being... We just knew her from watching her on TV. But it's just... I don't understand. And that's another problem I have with people. Why is it that people feel like money can fix problems? I don't care how much money you make. I don't care if you make $10,000 a year, $50,000 a year. I don't care if you make $20 million a year. Money money will not fix everything. You can have everything wanted and dreamed of in life. And I'd be like that sometimes. I just sit back and be like, man, you know, if I can make this amount of money, I'll get everything I've always wanted. But is that going to fix my problems inside? No. It may fix, you know, you know, I may have the money to pay all my bills and all that type of stuff. But as far as like family problems, stuff like that, money is not going to fix that. There are people who make, (coughs) excuse me, there are people who make 
20 times more than what we make. You know, I'm, I don't know your financial situation or whatever, but it's people who make more than what we make. And they're still not happy. And there's somebody who's homeless. There's somebody who don't have nothing. Don't even have $5 to their name and are the happiest person on the face of this planet. And that's crazy. That is so crazy to me, James. I think I think about stuff like that a lot. Like, I don't want to be one of those people. I don't care how much money I make in life. I don't want to be one of those people where I'm just miserable. I'm just bitter, angry, just, you know, stuff like that. I want to be, I want to be happy. I don't care how much money I make. I don't care if I never see a million dollars. I don't care if I don't have the biggest house on the hill. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I want to be at least happy with myself. And I want to be happy for people around me. And I want people around me to be happy for me. And that's another reason I feel bad for Ashley. Because you just hit on a great point. Actually, we have to look in the mirror at ourselves every day. Right? We have to look at ourselves in the mirror for the things we do, for the things we don't do. For the stuff that, you know, we want to, you know, we want to do to try to make things better. Money's like aspirin, right? It's, yeah. a, it's only a temporary fix. And because it's just like you said, you can have all the money in the world and still not be happy. Some people can have some money, like you said, you know, to pay bills, you know, that might, uh, you know, alleviate, you know, some of the stress, but only for, you know, only for a little while. Right. This woman had to look in the mirror every single day. And this woman believing she was raped and she was, you know, she was drugged and she had to, for 13 years, 14 years, had to battle this. Had to battle it, right? Every day, every day was a, you know, was a battle. Every day was a struggle. And she had, and she fought that fight as long as she could. I just don't get it. What? We're all human, right? You know, we all breathe the same air. You know, we all have the, you know, blood running through our veins and, you know, you know things of that nature. So what makes men more different than women? That is such a good question. That is such a good question because, uh, you know, I, you know, people, people just don't understand, you know, the power of money that it has. And men and women are the same. You know what I'm saying? They might have a different tax bracket, but at the same time, the power of money takes control of people. And, you know, just like I said, you can have $100 million to your name, but are you happy within yourself? Or there could be somebody who just lost their house, who hasn't had a job in like six months, and still, you know, they're still striving to get back on their feet, but at the same time, they're still happy within themselves. And the, the, the battle that she dealt with, that was like a drug. That shit was like a drug. That shit was like a disease. And, you know, there are people out there who are battling, you know, addiction, no matter what it is, depression, uh, drugs, what have you. And I just hope and pray that they get through that because it is a tough thing. It is a really tough thing. And it's not, it's not, it's not something to easily overcome. You know, there are people who are battling cancer. And unfortunately, you know, people have to go through the chemo and everything like that. Because 
I got a friend, his sister's dealing with uh, cancer right now. Mm. But at the same time, you know, I'm just hoping and praying she get through that. And, you know, it, it's, it's just mind boggling the way she went out. I hate the way she went out, but at the same time, the things that people said about her, I feel like, you know, she left a legacy. She left a legacy her own way. She might have not been like a Trish Stratus or a Lita or what we see now, like a Sasha or Bailey or Ember Moon. But at least behind the scenes, people could be around her because of the person that she was and the energy and the energy that she brought towards others. Did you see the Trish Stratus uh, comment she made about her? I, I think that was she had nothing but amazing things to say. I saw that. That was, uh, you know, I could tell that um, I could tell that Trish really loved her. I mean, just like other people, you know, Trish, she went all out to say nothing but positive things about her. And like I said, I really feel like what people what people said about her, it really shows. And I was just having a conversation with somebody probably about an hour or so ago about this. Like, you know, karma karma does not discriminate. Nope. Karma does not hold back whether you're black, white, male, female, short, tall, no matter how old you are. If you bring positive energy to others, positive energy is going to come back to you. But if you're out here being mean and nasty and just being downright disrespectful, killing people's vibes, that negative energy that you feed to others is going to come back to you. And I am a firm believer that what goes around comes around. You know, if people do you wrong, you know, yeah, I could easily get revenge on somebody. But guess what? What is that going to do me? What good is that going to do me? So, you know, it, it's it's like, uh, again, taking aspirin. It's only going to be a temporary, you know, it, it's only exactly. going to be temporary. You might like it for a few days, but then you're going to realize, you know, when your conscience comes at you and it's going to be like, well, you really think that was the right thing to do? <laughs> yeah, because it's just like. What good did that do that? Like, was it really worth it? So, you know, like I said, karma really finds its way around people to who do wrong to others and to who do good to others as well. Yes. And so, you know, it's just one of those things where uh, I guess it's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. It seems like anything that we do out here, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. I mean, you could do a good thing and someone may not appreciate it, but the second you do a bad thing they're gonna jump all over that they'll be all over that and she did so much good you know you know from everything that seems like she did so much good but when something bad happened to her do you think that they cared about the good energy that she brought hell no they didn't Uh -uh. I want to bring something up that's completely off subject to this but it kind of makes sense so after I so I watched first take this morning you know Maddie Johnson right yeah. Then I watched his show. And while I was watching, you know, his radio show, Rob Polinka commented on what Magic had said earlier. Who was uh, Stephen A's show? Yes. And so, and it's not, and I'm not going to say the comments, but I will say this. Stephen A. Smith turns around and says, you know, if someone is saying these things about you, now granted, you're, you know, you're denying it, but shouldn't your denial be more? emphatic 
Right. About me, and I know damn well it's not true. I'm sitting here saying, hell no. Hell no. And he was commenting on the way Rob Polinka addressed what Magic had said and how calm and, you know, he seemed to be and, you know, and, and things of that nature. And um, you know what? I don't think WWE's oh. ever come out and said whether this happened or not. You know what? That I'm going to say this about the Magic stuff. I watched that interview that whole hour, the whole first hour they had Magic on first. Me season. too. Yes, sir. And I like Stephen A and all, but I feel like he kind of plays two sides of the fence here. Yeah. Now, Magic Johnson, he was on there. You know, I was guilty of pointing the finger at him when he stepped down as president. But with the way he talked about Rob, Pal- Rob Palenka, yeah. why would you have him a part of your organization if you know for a fact he's not bringing anything to the table? I have a, Magic and, I, oh, I, yeah, I have but, a theory about that, and I think Kobe Bryant plays a big part in it. Kobe, you think Bo- Kobe and Polinka? I mean, that was Kobe's agent. Yeah, Kobe. It, you know, honestly, it would not surprise me if Kobe, behind the scenes, has some sort of power we're not, you know, we're not privy to knowing about. Yeah, but go ahead. But what I was going to say was, um, and you know what, you did bring that up. They did mention that he is Kobe's agent, right? Yep. Now, Magic, he brought up the fact that, you know, he wanted to fire uh, Luke Walton. And, you know, Luke, he's an okay coach. I think he'll do some good things in Sacramento. But, I mean, come on, man. You know, with Magic running the operation, Jeannie as the owner, LeBron James on that team, do you honestly believe that LeBron was going to listen to Luke? No. Do you honestly, when he was in Cleveland, when he had, um, uh, what's his name before Ty Lue? David Black. David Black, yep. Did you honestly believe that he was going to listen to him? No. When he was in Miami, he barely listened to, uh, what's their coach's name? Eric, Eric Spolster. Uh, how do you say it? Sproul. Eric Spolster. Thank you, yeah. yes. He barely listened to him. The one person out of all the coaches he's had, he listened to Tyloo because Tyloo was his boy. Now, with the coaching hire, while we're on the subject of this, Frank Vogel, <laughs> James, Frank Vogel? Yeah. I, he, a co-worker brought this up to me. He barely could draft anybody in Indiana. And look at the squad that they had in Indiana. Lance Stevenson, Paul George. They had a team. He barely could do anything in Orlando. What makes you think LeBron is going to listen to him? And on top of that, Jason Kidd is the head co- is the assistant coach. That's the key. LeBron, That's the key. LeBron's going to listen to him more than he will Frank Vogel. And Frank Vogel is the head coach. Come on, James. Here's the reason why I think LeBron and Ty Lue got along more besides the fact that they're boys 
is that Tyrone Tyron Lou was not afraid to tell LeBron, you know, excuse my language here, but one time during a huddle told him to shut the fuck up. Yeah. That's huge. When you can get up in your superstars grill like that and be like, hey, listen, you know, shut the bleep up. I'm the coach. I think that's going to earn you some respect. Now, Frank Vogel, granted, he got what? I think it was back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals with that, with an Indiana squad. Yeah. Frank, I think he got a raw deal in Orlando. It's hard when Orlando, I mean, you think Florida, right, would be a good free agent spot because you don't have to deal with taxes and stuff down there. Yeah. I, I just don't think he got a, that fair of, of shot down there to try to turn it around. I mean, Orlando's been, up until this year, you know, that you know, they've been a laughing stock. But I don't know, man. I as much as I wanted Ty Lue. I think Vogel's going to surprise some people, and I think it's all going to come down to what happens this free agency. If they can get, man, I'm going to go out on a limb. They're going to get AD somehow, some way. I mean, the owner of the Pelicans has come out and said she is not. She is vehemently denied that they wouldn't do business with the Lakers. Now, is she just saying that to kind of? You know, keep the, and, keep the press off or what? But I think they still get AD somehow, somewhere. And that's another thing that Magic brought up when Molly Karam asked him, "Would you do anything different with the AD stuff?" Because that's really what messed the Lakers' season up. Yep. All this talk about Anthony Davis. You know, now they're talking about uh, possibly trading LeBron. And I agree with Magic. Do you honestly believe? They're going to trade LeBron James. No. Because once they, once they, let's say they do trade LeBron. Let's say they're stupid enough to trade LeBron. I mean, he just signed last year a four-year, hundred-some-million-dollar contract, right? Yep. Let's say they're stupid enough to do tra- to trade LeBron. By the time LeBron gets on that team, what's the expectation? Championship or bust? Or bust. Right? Yes. That's always with LeBron. You know, everybody talks about who's the GOAT, Kobe, LeBron, Michael, but as soon as LeBron gets on the team, whether it was in Cleveland, Miami, the Lakers now, going into next year, it's championship or bust. The Lakers have missed the playoffs six years in a row. They have not won a championship since the 09-2010 season. That's been nine years ago. That's right. I mean, you know, I think the Lakers will use this as motivation. But going back to what you said with the free agency, you know, Magic brought up two people that the Lakers should get. Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard. But I keep hearing Kawhi might go to L.A. I hope he stays in Toronto with the season he's had this year. I hope he signs, I hope he signs with Toronto. I really do. Here's where the Lakers are making a big mistake. You're not going to, you're not going to hire president of basketball, of, of basketball operations. You're going to leave that pretty much vacant. Here's one way you can get Kawhi Leonard to the Lakers. If you bring in the Raptors president of basketball operations, who Kawhi, you know, reportedly respects and cares about, you bring that guy in to run your basketball of operations, you can get Kawhi Leonard. You can get that second superstar to pair with LeBron James because I really, and I'm a firm believer of this, if you were to somehow able to get him from Toronto to LA Kawhi's gonna come to LA but oh yeah but hey 
you're the, but hey, you're, you think you're too good to not have a basketball of oper, you know, of operations guy. You're just gonna leave that vacant. I'll, I would be shocked if the Lakers got a second top tier guy to pair with LeBron. I, I can see or, uh, Kyrie. I, you know, I keep hearing names. Other names I keep hearing about Kimball Walker Kimber, and uh, um, shoot, Jimmy Butler. A lot of people are not in favor, including Matt Kelman. He's not in favor of Jimmy Butler going to the Lakers to pair up with LeBron. I think that would work, but I don't see that as a championship squad because this this roster that they had, they dealt with the Anthony Davis stuff. They dealt with injuries. Uh, Brandon Ingram, I think he went down with that blood clot injury. That's right. Lonzo Ball, he's injury prone. And a lot of guys, a lot of veterans on one-year deals. And I don't see most of them staying. But, for example, Kimball Walker, I mean, what has he really done in Charlotte besides carry that franchise on his back? Nothing. Exactly. You pair him up with some... I tell you what, I can see Kimball Walker. Isn't he a free agent come July 1st? He is, yeah. I can see him going somewhere like the Nets or the Clippers because the Clippers... I mean, you got Jerry West behind the scenes making moves. That's another big Jerry, mistake for the Lakers. Jerry West, the one of the all-time great, one of the all-time, if you will, goats of the NBA. Let me hit on that game. real quick. Let me hit on that. And the Lakers don't even give him a call. The Lakers don't call him and say, hey, how would you like to come back and help us? And that's crazy. The Clippers are reaping the benefits of having this guy. What, didn't, wasn't he in Golden State? Prior to going going to LA. Yeah. So I mean look, he's in Golden State and all of a sudden the Warriors are winning championships, right? <laughs> now he's in LA and the Clippers are now the best option in LA instead of the Lakers. And it's like, wow. Yeah. Everything this guy touches turns to gold. You have a great head coach in Doc Rivers. You've got guys who would be, you know, bench guys on other teams. And you're putting that those two together and, what, they won 50 games? Yeah, something like that. And then you look at the ownership after the debacle they had with the racist stuff. Yep. The ownership that came in and took the team. I, and, and if I'm not mistaken, aren't they aren't they getting their own building finally? That's what I'm hearing, yeah. Yeah, I think they're working. And, yeah. Jerry, listen, that ownership with Doc Rivers as head coach, the assistant coaches that they have, the great staff that they have, plus Jerry West as the president of basketball operations, and they're getting their own building after all of these years sharing the Staples Center with the Lakers. I'm telling you, they're going to get some pieces come creating. Let me ask you this, though. This whole thing with Kevin Durant going to New York, they keep saying it's quote-unquote virtually done, and now they're saying uh they're rec- he's recruiting people. I was watching a Colin Cowherd show today, and he said that he heard from a former NBA player and another all-star, a top-tier all-star, that Kevin Durant is recruiting players to go to the Knicks. Kyrie Irving. What do you Kyrie Irving? I, I, listen, if you can get – if I'm Kevin Durant, here's who I'm going after first. Kawhi – Leonard. That's who I'm coming for first. Kawhi Leonard is the type of guy you want on your team. He's a quiet guy. 
he doesn't bring drama and BS. I mean, look, what happened in San Antonio, I do believe he was really injured. I do believe the San Antonio staff misdiagnosed him. Yeah. Right. That's what I believe. I could be completely wrong, but just from everything, that's just what I believe. If I'm Kevin Durant, I'm going for Kawhi Leonard, and here's why. You get KD and Kawhi. You also have the third pick, and you have a few pieces where you could turn around and try to get an Anthony Davis. Could you imagine the three-headed monster of Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, and Kawhi Leonard, or even Kyrie Irving? I'll tell you what. The Knicks would be championship contenders next year. The Knicks, if that happens, like you said, a three-headed monster. KD, let's say Kawhi Kyrie, and Anthony Davis. Because New Orleans, you know, they keep talking about New Orleans and uh, Zion, in which I'll talk about in a minute. But, you know, with the way that the Knicks, they're another team that has missed the playoffs the last few years. Yep. And, you know, the Knicks... If I were James Dolan, this would be the biggest move that he has made since owning the team. James Dolan is the most trash owner in all of the NBA. That's and right. Jeannie Buss is Jeannie Buss is getting up there. But I really think that if James Dolan makes this move, he gets Kevin Durant, he gets either Kyrie or Kawhi Leonard, and Anthony Davis. I think a lot of people will no longer look at James Dolan as, oh, this is a trash owner. Now people will want to come back to Madison Square Garden. Oh, we're going to go watch the Knicks. We're going to go watch them ball. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. championship contender. It's no longer, oh, I don't want to come to Madison Square Garden because guess what? The Knicks are going to lose. It's going to be, oh, KD and Kyrie playing. Let's go to Madison Square Garden. Let's go watch the Knicks. James Dolan will have so much praise on him. And if I were James Dolan, I'd be like, look, we have, we've had a, some bad years since I've been here. I'm going to step back. I'm going to get out the way. I'm going right. to let the coaching staff do their thing. I'm going to let the players do their thing. Hopefully we can bring a championship. The Knicks don't have but one championship to their name. And like right. I said, if James Dolan, if he's smart, he'll just get out the way. I was just going to say that if he, I mean, look, he has a general manager, I believe it's Steve Mills, I believe, um, who's running the GM operations in New York. James Dolan just needs to step aside right now. Oh, definitely. He just needs to step aside right now. Just let, let them do their thing. Look, I mean, if you want to bring him into a, you know, into a meeting here, you know, all right, I understand that, but let him say his piece and then, you know, he needs to step aside. If the Knicks pull this off, the East will all of a sudden have so much more respect to it than it's had over the years. Because, well, I mean, what? For so long, it was LeBron James's East. Yeah. Miami, Cleveland, you know, and now now he's out West. Now you have Giannis Antetokounmpo and Milwaukee and what they're building there. You have the Philadelphia 76ers. You now we'll see what they do this summer. But they have, a you know, they have a pretty strong team that was, you know, one win away from you know, the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, you have Boston. I mean, Boston still has so many assets that they don't have, I mean, they don't have to do a lot. They will lose Kyrie, I believe. I don't think there's any way Kyrie stays in uh, in Boston. But, no. 
you still have pieces there and a coach there who took them to the Eastern Conference Finals last year without Kyrie or Gordon Haywood. So, and then you have Indiana, you know, coached by Nate McMillan with Victor Oladipo and those boys. Very respectable after Victor went down. Everyone thought, oh, you know what? The wheels are going to fall off Indiana, right? And Indiana played hard, won quite a few games after, you know, Victor went down. And then I think you have Detroit, who's up and coming. The East would look so much more respectable now if this happens compared to, you know, to if it doesn't. And I agree because it's like, you know, the West, you know, LeBron's now in the West. Golden State has just ran off with the West for like, what, the last four or five years or so. They're on the verge of winning four titles in five years. And it really should be five straight. Right. They should really have five straight titles. Had had Draymond Green not got not got suspended game five in 2016, they would have beaten Cleveland straight up. And then, you know, I think another team that's going to surprise some people in the West, the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. Because you got uh, Drogic, I hope I'm saying his name right, and Kristoff Porzingis. Yeah, yeah, Lu- yeah, Luka Doncic and, yeah, Kristoff. And then you got Denver on the come up. The West is still going to have a lot to say, but like you yeah. said, the East, you know, you got Milwaukee. You got the Greek Freak. I tell you what, the next five years, he is going to be dominant. And I mean dominant in every fashion. Then you got Detroit. You got Chicago. They're trying to rebuild. And then you got, you know, Boston. They still got they still got a future ahead of them for, what, the next 10 years or so? Yeah. So, I mean, it's wide open right now. And I can't wait till free agency starts because I'm just I am just interested in seeing who goes where. It's going to be really interesting come July 1st. Here's my one hot take prediction that I will say when it comes to free agency. I'm going to say this. Kawhi Leonard will be a Los Angeles Laker when this is all said and done and the Lakers will trade for AD. The same, thing, the same thing with New York. If the Lakers are able to pull this off, if they can get Kawhi Leonard and somehow trade for Anthony Davis, and, and look, they'll have the cap space to absorb him. Yeah. And and they still have, you know, the fourth pick. You can get rid of, you know, you can get rid of, um, I mean, Kuzma's huge. I mean, I, I would not want to lose Kuzma, but I would. Oh, I, I'll keep Kuzma. Oh, I would have to understand. Kuzma's most likely going to have to be a player in that deal. Him, if, if I can get away with getting rid of without Kuzma, if I can get rid of Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, and Brandon Ingram and keep Kuzma, that's a win. Yeah. Will that happen? If I'm New Orleans, I would be sitting here saying I want Kuzma, but I would definitely push it hard. I think somehow, some way, we see uh, AD as a Laker, and I think Kawhi will be in LA. I'm torn. I, I believe he'll go to, to the Lakers, but damn, the Clippers are looking really good right now. I, I, I'm, I'm really hoping he resigns with Toronto, but it's possible that he could go elsewhere. But yes. let me ask you this, though. This whole thing with Zion, how do you think that'll play out? Because, you know, there are conflicting reports that, you know, he wanted the Knicks to get the number one pick. His stepfather came out and said, you know, we're happy to go wherever he goes, stuff like that. I feel like it'll be one of those moments where, like, when Eli Manning got 
drafted by the Chargers. Yes. And then got traded to the Giants that same day. Yep. I feel like that'll happen. Because, you know, he says he may want to play in New Orleans or wherever somebody picks him. But like they were saying, like some of these, like some of the analysts were saying on these shows, New Orleans is it's more of a football town. You got the LSU Tigers. Yep. You got the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Pelicans, they weren't they in the playoffs the season before this yeah. week? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They had Rondo running the point. That's when they swept Portland. Portland yeah. was the three seed. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, they really can't win games for real. Here's what I think: I, if you're just going to concede, if you're the Pelicans, now granted, you're. Oh, I mean, the owners they own the Saints too. So if you're conceding, it's a football town. You might as well just tell the NBA, "Hey, I want to relocate," because that's no excuse. There's plenty of look. The Rams have just got back to LA, and they just got to the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. So, LA is still a basketball and baseball town, but don't tell me that the Rams are just gonna, you know, be like, all right, you guys are a basketball and baseball town that we're still not gonna try to become something. The Rams are set up to be successful for years. Oh yeah, and you can definitely. There's no reason why a town can't be, you know, if you have three teams in it, uh, you know, a, a three-headed monster in, in, you know, in that effect. Um, I think Zion gets drafted, and I think he'll stay as a Pelican. And if I were him, and I agree with you know, one of the analysts that he should, if he wants to, pull a power play. Yeah. He should have threatened to come back to Duke. And... And here's why. Because he wouldn't necessarily have to go back to Duke. All he would necessarily have to do is threaten to go back to Duke. And you can be like, look, look, no disrespect, but this is not where I want to play. Now, personally to me, I don't think it would have mattered if the Knicks or the Lakers got the number one pick. I think he would have been happy with either one. Zion going to play with LeBron, I think he would have loved that. But oh, yeah. Zion going to New York. I, I feel like Zion should have. Look, and it's not like it would have been unprecedented because other players have done it in the past, like you said, Eli Manning, you know, you know, comes to mind. Um, I, you know, Danny Ferry back in the day, you know, pulled something like that. So he is there's been so much hype around this number one pick since LeBron James. Like, I don't think there's been any more hype for a number one pick since LeBron. And that is a fact because it's like even before he stepped on the court at Duke. Now, in a way, I do wish he kind of stayed. Yeah, I do too. But then again, I'm kind of glad he 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 left because Duke is still going to be loaded with or without him. Yeah. But it's just like, like even before he stepped on the court at Duke, he already had hype around him. The whole shoe thing when they played North Carolina. Yep. Everybody sure. talked about that for like a month straight. And I feel like, I don't know. I don't know how long he'll play in the NBA. I think he'll have a good maybe 10-plus year career. Yeah, if he stays healthy, yeah, you're right. Yeah, but like like you said, there hasn't been this much hype around a number one overall pick in the NBA since LeBron. Because when LeBron came out, everybody was clamoring to watch LeBron. 
That's right. Even in high and school, he, his senior year on ESPN, I remember watching those games on ESPN. Just I was like, I gotta see what what the hype around this dude's all about. Yeah, and this guy could ball then. Yeah, and he was dubbed like right as soon as he came to NBA, he was already called the chosen one, and he got a tattoo that says chosen one. And then, you know, people started clowning on him because he didn't win championships. But guess what? He proved whether he could win one or not that he can still hang with the best. Yeah, I mean, not everybody can be Michael Jordan. Listen, you think Michael Jordan won titles right when he got into the league? Hell no, he did not. He had to go through his own adversities. He had to get through the bad boy Detroit Pistons. He had to get past, you know, the Larry Bird Boston Celtics and, you know, the Magic Johnson Lakers. I mean, that was his first championship, man. They beat the Los Angeles Lakers and went on to their first three-peat. But LeBron James, yeah, man, he gets... But the way he was so hyped up, everyone was expecting him to win, have seven or eight championships by now. And I think that's unfair because players need to grow. And LeBron was good from the second he stepped on the floor in Cleveland. He was... Grant, he didn't lead into the playoffs, but you knew he was still special. You knew the hype was there. Oh, yeah. But the fact that the media put so much of this hype around them and then all of a sudden flipped it and went, well, guess what? You still haven't won a championship. Kind of like a double-edged sword, you know, like the media did. It's like, oh, this guy's the chosen one. You know, he can do no wrong. Uh, you know what? You've been in the league, what, eight years and you still haven't won a title? It's like, come on. Yeah. It's like, come on, guys. Jordan didn't win one till what I want to say. When was he drafted? Uh 85 84 80, yeah 84 85 somewhere around there because so, they because like you mentioned um you know he had to get through the pistons he had to get through the Celtics you know Michael Jordan to me was submitting his legacy when he had that playoff game back in the day against the Celtics when he dropped 60 yep i mean he dropped 60 on the Larry Bird Celtics despite losing that series I mean, me and a friend were talking about that last month. He he said he was watching something. Larry Bird said, he said Larry Bird said to the guy, it was like I was playing God or something like that. I mean, you let a young Michael Jordan drop 60 on you like that? Even before he won a championship. I mean, people already knew how great Michael was. But it's just, it's just, I don't know. I'm really interested to see how his career spans out being Zion. Yeah. And look. like you said, like you said, like, you know, you look at some of the greats that haven't won championships. Three people that come to mind. Um, Gary Payton, John Stockton, Carl Malone. That's right. The glove. Three. Yep. Huh? I said Gary Payton, the glove. That was oh, his yeah. Big, the glove, yeah, the man. glove, the mailman. Three of the greatest players ever to never win a title. But guess what? They were still at the top of their game. You look at somebody in the NFL. Um, Dan Marino. John, Dan Marino, yeah. Dan Marino never won a title. It took John Elway years to win a title. His last two years. It took him his last two years because he won one and then he won the track for one more. And, and they repeated and he retired. Yeah. And uh, people like Brett, I mean, yeah, Brett Favre. Brett Farm only, only has one. Peyton Rogers. Manning. Aaron Rodgers. Oh, yeah. And Peyton Manning, he won his second one with the Denver Broncos. What'd he do? He retired. Yep. So, I mean, 
And, and, and Tom Brady, who was, what, a, a sixth or seventh round pick? You know, a guy who so many experts missed out on and hate to say it, he's one of the greatest of all time. And it, Rodarius, it just, it dumbfounds me how it's almost like it's ass backwards, right? <laughs> you have guys like Aaron Rodgers, who's probably one of the best passers I've ever seen with a football who can fit it in tight windows and just has the accuracy. It's just mind-blowing watching him when he's healthy throw a football. And then you got guys who are great like Dan Marino or guys like John Stockton, Carl Malone, and guys that didn't win a championship. Yeah. And they were damn good. And then you got guys like Tom Brady who, you know, look like your average Joe, right? Coming yeah. out of the draft. And he's got six rings. Realistically, he should have eight. If you don't count the two Giants ones, but I mean, it's just it's ass backwards. LeBron has lived up to the hype, in my opinion, and I think Zion Williamson is a bigger version of Blake Griffin. I think he'll be a lot better than Blake, but that's what I think Zion is. He's a, he's a better version of Blake Griffin. Yeah, because that first game when he gets picked by the Pelicans, that first game of the season, I can guarantee you that uh, that building. That building's going to be sold out. I can guarantee that. And there's a realistic chance they could have AD on that night. Yeah. I think, and here's the thing about Anthony Davis. I get it. You haven't won. You're frustrated. You want to go somewhere else where you can win. I get it. You had a management team there the last seven years who didn't do a lot to get you the pieces that you need. I get it. You're frustrated. But you have a GM in David Griffin who is an NBA championship GM. He now has the number one pick in Zion Williams. If you're Anthony Davis, do you at least give it a shot? Do you at least give it a shot to see? Do you, you know, do you sit there and go, you know what? This is a new management team, new trainers, everything like that. Do you, if you're AD, give it a shot? Or do you say, you know what? I want to bounce. If I were him, I'd give it a shot because you know, it, it, it's one of those, it, it's like you want to see what the hype is about. You want to see if you can really gel with that person or not. You know what I'm saying? It's like like when Kobe played with Shaq. They didn't like each other. I'm pretty sure they didn't like each other at first, but guess what? They worked as a unit. That's right. And they won championships. Now, I'm not saying the Pelicans, oh, they're going to win a championship. I'm not saying that. But if I were Anthony Davis, I'd at least give it some thought. Say, you know what? He's coming in. You know, he's a new guy on the block. Let me work with him. Maybe this can work out. And maybe he can convince me with the management to stay. All, this, know, hype, uh, all this hype about me leaving, maybe I should stay. And, and you know what? And if it doesn't work out in the first part of the season, you can still you can still get traded. You can still. They could still trade you if I mean, because you have over half the season to the trading deadline. And, and that's yeah. the tricky part because you want to make sure you, you get as close to maximum value as you can, even though you're not going to get maximum value. But you still have time within the first quarter of the season, you know, 25, 30, 40 games and go, you know what? As long as I'm healthy and as long as we're both on the court, we can see if this works. I, I think that's plenty of time. And I think, and, and I'm with you, I think you should give it a shot, but I'm not going to blame him if he still says, you know what? I want out the door. But. No, I'm definitely with you. Man, 71, yeah. 71 minutes. Can you believe that? <coughs> Dude, we're That's on fire. That's crazy. Dude, we're on fire. 
Yeah. All right, I'm gonna ra- all right. I want to wrap this up with some final thoughts. I'm gonna bring this back to Ashley Masaro, and I'll give you a chance for your final thoughts as well. Actually, better yet, why don't you go first with your final thoughts about this whole Ashley Masaro situation? I know any type of message you want to send out to the females that you, you, you know that may listen to this. Um, my final thoughts on this. You know, I said earlier that um, you know you never know what somebody's going through. And my encouragement to anybody, you know, whether I'm going through something or you're going through something or whoever, whether it's a friend, family member, somebody you work with, you know, if you're going through something, you know, please seek help, you know, pray about it, whatever that fits for you, seek help. Because the big thing in society today is, you know, mental illness. You never know what the person is going through. And if you don't help them, then when they're when they're no longer here, I mean, it'll be too late. So whatever you're going through, I encourage you. I hope and pray that you will seek help because when it's all said and done, you know, you can't you can't help somebody when they're not here. And you can't also you can't help somebody if they don't want help. So that's my that's my final thought. If you're going through something, seek help. Those are good final thoughts. My final thoughts on this, and this is an attack against, you know, the men or, you know, it's making it seem like that we're siding with one gender over the other. But to all the women out there, we're sorry that you guys have, have had to deal with this for as long as you guys have had to deal with it. This person obviously was affected about by what happened in 2006, and she fought it like hell until she just felt like she couldn't fight, you know, any longer. So I'm I'm going to piggyback off Rogerius's final thoughts, and we don't know what anybody is going through, you know, unless you know we're close with you know with those people, you know, vice versa. But at the end of the day. We all breathe the same air. We're all human. We all go through things. We all deal with things. Bad things, good things. You you know what have you. Life is too short. Right? We get so consumed with what we're doing with, you know, with social media. And like I said earlier, we forget sometimes that we need to pay attention to the people who are in our lives. Put more of the focus on that because you know what? When someone good in our lives passes away and then we find out that they had, you know, issues, then it's kind of like, well, shit, where was I, right? Yeah. My challenge for everybody is if someone comes to you for help, don't push them away. Because it's obviously there's a reason why they're choosing you to begin with. There's a reason that they're coming to you to begin with. Not saying that her friends maybe didn't try to help her or anything like that. They probably did. They probably tried their damnedest to help her. Do I do I believe something happened in 2006 in Kuwait? I do. Do I know that to be a fact? I don't. But this is why we're all allowed to have our opinions and educated, you know, you know, opinions, because that's just the way the world works. We're allowed to have it. I don't think we'll ever know the truth. I don't, unless somebody close to her can validate or someone steps forward that was there in 2006 and said this happened, I don't think we'll ever know. 
I don't, and, and it's sad because we're left to speculate about a 39 year old person who passed away. We're left to speculate and people are going to say, oh, she's just making it up for the fame. I don't think that's the case at all. Women have had to put up with this for God knows how long. It's happened in, you know, in Hollywood, right? You know, this Me Too movement. This Me Too movement coming to the forefront, you know, you know, with women stepping forward has probably been one of the best things that's happened that I can honestly remember. Because women don't deserve to be treated like that. Not only in Hollywood, but even, you know, just in real life. No one deserves to be treated like trash. And, and I feel like this is what happened with Ashley. It's like, here, we're going to pay you. Fix it. Don't say anything. Right? And it just, it was just like she was treated like yesterday's garbage. And now her daughter no longer has her mom. We need to look out. We need to look out for each other. We need to have each other's backs no matter what it is. But we need to be there for each other. Because at the end of the day, there's only, you know, there's only a handful of people that everybody probably trusts in this world. And my thoughts are just don't push that person away if they're coming to you for help. And to all the women out there who have to go through this, we're very sorry that you've had to. Yep. Yep. Anything else you want to, you know, talk about before we wrap this one up? Anything that comes to mind about any other sports or anything or what? Um, what did you think about Money in the Bank? I haven't, I missed most of it except the ladder match last night. I want to get your thoughts on Brock Lesnar winning. And have you watched any of uh, Best of the Super Juniors from New Japan Pro Wrestling? I have not watched that. Um, the Money in the Bank. Now, I did have a thought about Brock, and the thought was, I wondered because, you know, when they said he signed his new contract, his return was sooner. It's going to be sooner rather than later. So my thought was, if he's going to come back, it's going to be, he's, he's coming for Seth Rollins and he's going to come back and attack him after the match or, or maybe, just maybe he screws over Seth and AJ wins the title. But when that didn't happen, I was like, all right, well, then he'll just appear on Raw. When he came out, I had the money in the bank last night. And I... I did not see that coming. Now, whether I like the move or not, I mean, you know, almost 24 hours later, I'm still not sure what I think about it yet. But I will say from the fact that WWE for a very long time has not produced a shock factor where someone can honestly sit there and say, oh, I didn't see this one coming. Yeah. Yeah. They did that. Now, again, whether you like it or not, again, they were able to pull the wool over everyone's eyes and, you know, here comes Brock. So, so that was good in that. I thought Money in the Bank overall was, it was, it, it was a mixed bag. It, it was really good, but then it had its moments, like um, the cage match last night. The Miz had Shane pinned after a skull crushing finale, and <laughs> the Miz puts his foot, or I'm sorry, Shane puts his foot on the rope inside the cage, and the ref stops counting, and I'm sitting there going, "Huh." I heard about all the, the referee stuff. I heard it wasn't great. I mean, like I said, I missed most of the pay-per-view. You know, I heard about Bailey winning. I heard about her cashing in. That was, was a, cool. that was a great moment. That was good. Yeah, because, I mean, she's been kind of floundering for a while. So I'm glad she, she's finally got some going for her. 
Yep. But going back to the Brock stuff, it's just like, I was shocked. Because, like, a lot of people say it should have been Bray Wyatt. Because you heard the fans chanting, chanting Yowie Wowie. Yep. And I, it would have been so cool had Bray Wyatt came out there and just won the whole damn thing. See, I'll be honest. That was my thought. It was going to be Bray Wyatt. I, you know, when the seventh guy got out there and I was like, huh, they didn't tease the eighth. The, the first thing I thought of was, remember when Roman Reigns a few years ago in the Money, Money in the Bank was about to win it, and all of a sudden the lights go out, and Bray appears and pushes the ladder over and says, anybody but you? Anybody yeah. but you, Roman? I was yeah. expecting something like that to where the lights were going to go out, and it was going to be Bray Wyatt, and he was going to appear and be the eighth guy. I did not think for one second it was going to be Brock, but... If you watch the end of that, after he gets the briefcase, the camera pans on the Randy Orton. The look on his face says it all. Yeah, I, have you got a chance to watch that actual match yet? What, the money, the men's money in the bank? Um, the uh, men's money in the bank. Yeah, that was the last match I came into. Like, okay, good. I missed, I missed most of the pay-per-view, so I'll have to go back and watch everything except that. But I did see Randy Orton's face. And James, I, I felt so bad because, you know, I've been seeing memes with, you know, stuff like, well, this is what happens when seven guys go out there and bust their ass only for somebody to come in and not take a bump. I mean, all Brock did was just run down to the ring, push the ladder on to the cameraman, grab the briefcase, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure backstage Randy was pissed. And I would have been too, because oh, the oh, match yeah. was great. The match was, the, I mean, for example, Baron Corbin. I give Baron Corbin a lot of flack, especially with the way he's dressed now and all that stuff. Baron Corbin, whether you like him or not, he had a strong show. Drew McIntyre. Oh, definitely. Um, Andre. Uh, Balor. Pretty much everybody. Dude, Bauer. Bauer to me was the MVP last night. Oh my God. The bumps he took. That, oh my. That sunset flip onto the ladder and he bounced, you know, bouncing high. Like, holy, you know, I was like, wow. I'm surprised his back or his neck ain't broken. What yeah. And, and then he took a side, su- and then he took a suplex on top of another ladder. It's like, oh my gosh. These guys bumped out for each other and then Brock comes in and runs up the ladder and wins. And I, I did like what Michael Cole said when uh, Mustafa Ali hit that reverse run on Ricochet. Yeah. I thought that was the line of the night. When he said, what's wrong with these guys? Yeah. I thought that was so cool. Like, Michael Cole, he has his moments, but he had his moment last night. He did, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, he called that. It kind of, in a way, reminded me of JR a little bit. I mean, if yeah. JR were, you know, if Money in the Bank were in the middle of his prime, like when he called the Money in the Bank when Mick Foley fell off, you know, when he got thrown off the hell in the cell from the Undertaker. Can you imagine, like, back in 2000 if they had that? And they're like, you know, and he's calling that match. Oh, my God, that would have been epic. Yeah. But for Brock to just come in and just kill the vibe the way he did, that was just like... That's an, ult- that's an ultimate FU Vince yeah. move. It's like, you know, they say they want to make a star. I mean, the rumors going into Money in the Bank were what they wanted to do with the men's winner was make a star. They yeah. did that with Bailey and the women's. Bailey's star couldn't be brighter as long as they keep the title on her and they don't put her into some, you know, 
outlandish, stupid booking, but they have something with Bailey there. So I think they succeeded in that way. Now, the myth now, I mean, Brock, come on. Jericho said it best. You know, he trolled him hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, people are giving Jericho flat for what he did, but I agree with him. I mean, like, I even read, like, Mustafa Ali and Drew McIntyre. I picked Drew McIntyre to win. Yeah, that but was my pick. Drew, those, Drew was my pick. Those two, from what I read, were rumored to be the potential winners. And for just for Ali to just stand there, when that guitar riff from Brock's music hit, yep. I was just like, oh, snap. Ali, get down from that ladder now. And he just stood there like an idiot. Or just run up there and just grab that briefcase and get the hell down. Yeah. Nice. But they were saying up until late Sunday, Ali, they were people were telling people that Ali was supposed to win that briefcase. Yeah. And to all the... I mean, look, this, this guy got unfortunately injured. And Kofi came in and took his spot. Let me hit on Kofi before, you know, before we wrap this one up. But Ali was in a bad spot because he got hurt. And then Kofi all of a sudden rides that momentum and that gauntlet all the way to a WWE championship win. Yeah. What a match last night. Kofi Kingston had with KO. Oh, I got to go back and watch that one. That was a hell of a match. And Kofi is on the best run of his career when it comes to putting on great matches. Like that yeah. match from, from start to finish was probably one of the best matches I've seen Kofi ever wrestle. Um, if he continues to wrestle like I saw him wrestle last night and the way he wrestled at Mania and the way he's wrestled to defend the title since, his title reign, now granted, it could be short. It could be up to SummerSlam or now, now with Brock having the money in the bank, we don't know. But if they continue to let him run with the title up until SummerSlam, let's say, and say he loses it then, but if he continues to put on matches like that leading up to SummerSlam, that short title reign of his could be a memorable one just because with the fact of all of a sudden he's got a renewed energy and, you know, and a spark under him. Oh, yeah. One I more mean, question and, uh, and I'll let you wrap up. Sure. Um, Sasha Banks, do you think she'll come back? No. I think if nope. Sasha Banks was going to come back, she would have come back by now. And I, and I feel like if WWE was going... You know, if they could have talked her into it, I think it would have happened already. Yeah. Um, it's been since Mania. So it's been, what, five weeks? Um, anything can happen. Yeah, and, you know, we always learn never say never. But Sasha did tweet out last night and congratulated Bailey. I think she's just so burnt out with how, she, you know, with how she feels like she's been treated. It kind of reminds me of Neville, kind of reminds me of Punk, in, in the sense where they didn't feel like they were getting their just due. Even though, look, she's never had a successful title defense, so she's a four-time champion. That says a lot to me. That says a lot to me. Why would you put a title on her, but not have her successfully defend it? Good question. In any way, I mean, her battles with Charlotte. You know, she wins it from Charlotte, and then two weeks later, she loses it to Charlotte in her first title defense. It's like, what's the point? I mean, I get back in the day, that's how they used to do it, you know, when they were trying to make money for championships. Back in those, you know, probably, you know, in the territory days where they may take the title off somebody to build up to a rematch for a more money rematch, and then, boom, switch the title back. But in this day and age, it's different. It's not, it's not the old days anymore, right? And so... I think Sasha deserved to have a run with the championship 
I think she deserved to have a lengthy run. I mean, once again, it's another example of Vince McMahon's incompetence, not realizing what he's got. And now everybody wonders why there's such a problem with ratings because he's done such a horrible job of building stars now that you have to rely on guys like The Rock or you got to rely on guys like a 42-year-old Brock. Yes, he's still a massive draw. I get it. But what's the point? Yeah, and you're supposed to evolve when it comes to wrestling. And, you know, I think back, I think it was 98. Remember when he gave that speech about, you know, when the Attitude Era came in and he did that long speech about how the fans, you know, and intelligence was insulted and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I feel like that's what he's doing right now and what he's been doing has been insulting our intelligence, right? He's been, you know, this is turning into, in a weird way, he's turning into Eric Bischoff. God forbid somebody like Vince Russo. Yeah. I mean, that's just, to me, that's just who he seems like he's turning into. And, you know, you're not listening to, you know, your writers for one. You're not listening to your wrestlers for two. You're not listening to your own kids, apparently, for three. Yeah. So then who are you listening to? If you're not listening to them, are you listening to your, you know, your butt-kissing second-in-command, Kevin Dunn? Oh, God. I need to get started on him. You know, it's just... If something doesn't change, you have until October when this new Fox deal kicks in. At some point, you have to get your head out of your ass and... You need. What's the point of having people there if you're not going to trust them? What's the point of having writers if all you're going to do is rip up their script? Yeah. And that's another thing. Like, they got thirty something people on creative. And I listened to that piece with uh, Wade Taylor on the Post Raw show last week. And what the guy said, like, I can imagine just some of the storylines they've come up with. Like for the last four, five, six months going into a year. And Vince just says, okay, I like that, but I don't want to use that. I'm going to use it. My, I'm going to turn your storyline into something that I feel like will, cap- will captivate the audience. And that, that sucks. I can just imagine being on creative and just Vince looking at you saying, nope, that sucks. No, that's not a good idea. Good idea. Okay, we'll use that, but we're not going to use it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Or that, oh. that sounds like a good idea, but no, I'm going to rip that up. That sucks. Yep. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, they always say, you know, if you can't do something, then do it yourself. Yeah. It almost seems, if I were a writer in there, I would definitely be thinking that. Oh, you think you can do better? Do it yourself. Um, but again, something has to change between now and and listen. You can't wait till September 28th and say, "Oh, okay, we're going to change everything." Because come, I mean, AEW debuts October 1st. Supposedly, Stephanie McMahon, before Money in the Bank last night, gave a speech and actually addressed AEW. One of those rah-rah speeches and tried to address AEW and you know, you know things of that nature. And so, yeah, I read about that. Um, you're waiting now. I mean, the time's ticking. WCW whooped your ass for over 80 weeks. AEW's going head-to-head with SmackDown. And then on top of that, Double or Nothing's this Saturday. That's right. 
money in the bank for what it was worth for you know the referee blunders and you know and stuff like that. The only match I wasn't the Samoa Joe Rey Mysterio match ended very abruptly because apparently Rey Mysterio broke Samoa Joe's nose, and apparently you know I watched the match and Joe was bleeding everywhere, and so they went ahead and called the match and you know Joe's shoulders were up during the pin so that was a little weird too but other than that I mean from a match quality standpoint the women's ladder match was great that was a great way to kick the show off um, the Miz and Chain match was you know was good you know besides the referee issue with the foot on the rope um, the Cruiserweight title match really didn't have a good you know it, it was a good match but it, it just lacked the spark you know of the crowd right um, the Universal I title match on the pre-show for once yeah I know right yeah and the universal title match look as good as that match was and it to me in my opinion tore the you know tore the house down you know with Rollins and AJ I still think there was a gear left those two could have gone to like you know like I would break that match in A A plus but there's still a gear they could have gone to and I'm sitting here thinking if those two get a chance to do it again it, it would blow money in the bank out of the water. That match is money in the bank. That match was really good. Um, like I said, Kofi was good. And the men's ladder match was probably the best ladder match I've seen. Money in the bank style. Or even ladder match, period. In a long time. Yeah. The way I can't remember the last time. I can't remember the last time a men's money in the bank ladder match was that good. I really can't remember. If I'm WWE, if... You don't recognize what Finn Balor did in that match. What he did. What what Andre did in that match. The way Finn, you know, bumped and bounced. And look, everybody had their parts. But to me, when I watched that match, the MVP to me is Finn Balor and Drew McIntyre. I think everybody else had a good, you know, good run. But just the way Finn was willing to just sacrifice himself. To me, that says something. Yeah, that says a hell of a lot. I mean, look what Edge and Christian did back in the day, man. man those TLC matches, right? I mean, how did Edge become an ascending superstar? You know, after his tag team run ended, you know they, you know, you look back to those. So, you know, Money in the Bank was good. I mean, it was a lot better than I anticipated it being. Yeah, but man, raw in a half hour. Any predictions on what this new title is going to be? I don't. James, I saw that last night. I keep reading that it's going to be a Legends title, so they can have it for Goldberg versus Undertaker at the Saudi Arabia show. It better not or be possibly, that. Or possibly a new WWE championship design. Or, I don't know. Because I'm going to be tuned in just like you. It better not be a Legends title. It better not be something that, you know, it's for no offense to Goldberg or Undertaker, but it better not be that. Yeah. <laughs> it just better not be. It better be something that is supposed to bolster up, you know, maybe the main roster. I'm also hearing that it could be a title that could be defended anywhere. Like the uh, like the hardcore title. Correct. And everyone thinks it's a hardcore title because Mick Foley's introducing it, which isn't a bad bot. But that would if that is true and it turns out to be a hardcore title, it kinda lets the air out because it's like, well, where is the suspense on that? But yeah. yeah, we'll be tuned in here. What, twenty five minutes from now and we'll find out. All right, man. Thank you for kicking it with me for the last hour. <laughs> oh, anytime. Anytime you want to be on the show, we can, you know, shoot shit, talk a lot. Sounds you know, good, man. Oh, two, 
save up, man. I'm not busy. You know, you want to invite me on the show, I'm willing to come on, man. Anytime, man. Hey, you know what? Save up now, man. Two years from now. Uh, I, I'm going to say this to Christopher, too, when I talk to him. You mean him and, yeah, take Emily. We'll all go to WrestleMania, wherever it's at. That sounds like a good idea. That That is on my bucket list. Yeah, it's I on mine, too. Hope, I'm really hoping in the next few years they come back to Atlanta. Because I yeah. really wanted to go to the one. Um, it was WrestleMania 27. Uh, wasn't that where Cena faced uh, Miz for championship? I be- yeah, I believe it was. That's when The Rock gave him The Rock box. Yes. Yeah, in the Georgia Dome before they tore it down. I'm really hoping in the next few years um, they come back to Atlanta. Other than that, you know, we all go to WrestleMania and we just have the ball, man. Sounds good. All right, man. Thanks, Thanks man. We'll do this again soon. All right. All right, everybody. Have a safe Monday night out there. Enjoy Raw. Enjoy the sports that are on tonight. And I will be back soon with another episode. See you guys later.